Voice at the Table provides practical information to ensure people with a cognitive disability have a real and equal voice on boards, committees and advisory groups. We do this by providing training for people with an acquired brain injury or intellectual disability and through a peer-led monthly meetup. We educate organisations and government departments to use inclusive meeting practices by providing training and resources. But most importantly, VAT tries to make the world a place where everyone is equal and can participate by being given supports they need to contribute the way they want. Our board is disability-led and our resources and training are co-produced and facilitated by people with a disability. Come check us out, voiceatthetable.com.au. We gather together today on this special place to continue our learning journey together. We are knowing the boy, Barang, and Boom Barang, people of the Kuma Nation, as the tradition Kajasian of this land and waters of the place where we are recording this podcast and this sovereign had not been Jesus. We knowledge and pay respect to the oldest past and present and emerging. We also pay respect to the first nation who are listening. We remember the self-advocates who have worked really, really hard over the years for the right for themselves and other people with disabilities to live in the community and for equality and human rights for all. Nothing about us without us. That chat. In today's episode of That Chat, we continue our chat with Larissa. Larissa McFarlane and our chat about disability pride and art and words and language continues. Let's jump straight back in. So that was a really a, a great experience for me and a great way to to get involved. And you know, and then finding out more about the disability pride. And, and everything that entails being part of the second mural I think that was great um, I'm not sure but the last update I got about it was it's still there <laughs> the, the weather's worn it down a bit but it's still there which yeah, is fantastic it, it is pretty amazing um, it is still there it's uh, coming up for three years which is yeah. not how long paste ups ever usually last um, and it um, it is actually a lot of it is quite unreadable it has faded a lot but if yes. you're standing looking at it from a distance it very clearly still says in huge letters disability pride yes. and then underneath there's sort of illegible bits of paper <laughs> um, <laughs> and what is amazing too is that uh, and it currently has a little bit of tagging on it but um, it is been amazing I'm quite astounded at how little tagging it's had over the three years. It didn't have any for like a year and a half. Um, I think yep. it was COVID was when it got its first bit of tagging, which then faded. Um, and I think that's, uh, 
I don't really know why that's the case. Um, uh, I like there, there was a few theories being thrown around, like yeah. um, that some uh, several of the members of the, the local tagging community were there during the paste-up and watching what was going on and, oh. and were talking with some of the people and, and they got a bit of an insight into what was going on. Is this your theory? I haven't heard this one, but... Um, no, I've I heard it from someone, but yeah, you know, I can't remember who. I'm um, sorry, I'm um, you know three years ago. <laughs> that's a lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah, I I like to think that you know um, yeah, but, when it was destroyed by council the first time, that pretty much everyone heard about that, and that yeah. uh, I imagine the tagging gang went right. Well, you know, we can be better than council. <laughs> We're not. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, but your I dare say, I, I dare say, somewhere in those series, that the, there is the truth. It's, I yeah. think, there was that exposure to what we were trying to do that second time round, and uh, and that community decided, no, we'll respect that. We'll, we'll, we won't go there. I mean, you could also say that. Well, that's a, unless you're actually going past it, it's not really a high profile area for taggers. Oh, <laughs> that wall's been tagged quite a lot but, in the um Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's right near Footscray Station in case anyone's wondering. Um Yeah. It's uh two oh one Nicholson Street. Um just a short wheel or a walk from the station. a uh, little bit blocked by roadworks at the moment, I think. Um hopefully still wheelchair accessible, although I find that these days roadworks aren't <laughs> um, no, they haven't been for a long time but yeah, yeah true they try sometimes like i've seen them set up little ramps but i yeah. think that's more for them yeah. to get their digging machines up and down rather than for people in a wheelchair i think so <laughs> yeah so that was 2017 and there was this great 2017 2018 and 2018 and you had the, the the great lettering, which is what you've just said, is still very visible. Um, the disability pride lettering, and um, closely you contacted me about um, about it being reused, and I said yes, of course. And so I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask what's happening with the laneway project. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm in that, um, oh, that, you know, that as an artist, you'll know that complicated phase in the middle of the project where you sort of regret ever taking this on and it's all going to be terrible and it's so much work ahead of you and there's so many variables. And when you're working in the street or in public, there is so much out of your control. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I haven't been able to do a lot of work whilst we've been in lockdown um, and I've only just come out. I feel like I've had my, I've come out of lockdown now, by the way. Um and yeah so things are very behind anyway having said all that because that's just art speak for you know insecurity um yeah. <laughs> um do you know the biggest i believe the biggest job about being an artist the hardest thing about being an artist or pretty much the only thing you really need to do is ignore or speak back or have conversations with the voice that tells you not to make work and if you can like appease that voice and do the work you know, then you're going to do all right. So that's 
all you have to do do the work and just don't let that voice tell you to stop yeah. um, I, I haven't reached that stage in my career yet i'm still just ooh, go 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 <laughs> so oh well maybe you maybe you'll keep going like that just go 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 um yeah. anyway um yeah so i've been really lucky um to have been given a um being invited to be a an artist, a commissioned artist with the Melbourne City of Melbourne are running a project, 40 visual artists in 40 laneways. So it's a big project to revitalise the city. But what is really good um, about the project is that they have invited um, not your average, normal, well-known artists. They've gone looking for artists that have been around a while that are not recognised or, you know, people working on the fringes. Um, and they've got several proud disabled artists uh which is very exciting they have might have more that i don't know about but um there's quite a few yeah it's actually really impressive i'm quite impressed so i was quite really happy to be part of something that is you know trying to yeah include all sorts of different artists and art making you're listening to that chat i think one of the things with making art as a disabled artist is it's really easy to have your artwork dismissed as something other it's not contemporary art it's something other mm -hmm. um yeah. and you know it's or outsider art or and they're yeah. not so it's um yeah no i'm going off a tangent aren't i <laughs> no no um i i was hoping you would go this way because i've i've been trying to work this bit out uh, uh, and give it proper shape to, to battle with yeah outsider art has a place and it's completely relevant and deserves to be in that space it's not what we're doing we're no. artists <laughs> we just happen to have a disability and we use that disability to fuel our art as well yeah. it doesn't make us outsiders it's just no. we're using what we have that's right and then and I don't want to, I mean, there was a time where I did identify as an outsider artist because I really wanted to identify, I suppose, and every other type of art form was excluded to me. And so I'm not, you know, as thank you for pointing out that we, you know, outsider art in itself, because there is a strict definition around, you know, people who make art that um, they're not connected with, haven't had any art education and they're just making art purely for themselves and that's a really valid form of art. What I have problems with is the way that that is dismissed and the way it's seen as not of value, worth showing in a gallery or uh, it's not of worth in the economy or um, all that sort of stuff. So yeah. um, and disability art is the same art that uh, people make in community settings. It's uh, not valued as it should be. Yeah. 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 There is that sort of overhanging or uh, stigma, I think is probably the right word, about uh, disability art and day programs. And so many people, when you say disabled artists or disability art, the first reaction is, oh, like in a day program. Yeah. <laughs> and, and having and, said that, most of my, I mean, that's where I started making art was in day programs yeah. and they're pretty awful places, super awful yeah. places. But yeah. um, some of them are, are pretty good though. Uh, like uh, I know several artists who absolutely thrive in them. And oh, just, if that's right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm speaking more of the whole system 
Um, yes. But it, for me, it was amazing because I had somewhere to go with my with peers, with other people um, with disability, and I could make art. So even though there were it was deeply problematic, and for quite a few years we only got you know butcher's paper and crayons, um, it was a place to go and somewhere to be because I had nothing else. And um, yeah, yeah, so these places are great. I mean, there's also that um, whilst we're on a tangent. I've become more and more aware of um, another type of disability or institutionalised art is um, is uh, ADEs, Australian Disability Enterprises, which are also known as sheltered workshops. Oh, and yeah. That is a big thing out there where people. So, so for the the audience that doesn't know, there's uh, twenty thousand people who work in these things called sheltered workshops or ADEs. Um, and they are usually paid, their wages are very, very low, sometimes only a couple of dollars an hour. Um, I think the maximum you can get is $13, which is still below, well below the award that non-disabled people get, but you still, that re people rarely get that anyway because it's usually knocked down a lot. Um, and so for me, they're deeply problematic places. I think this is slave labour happening in Australia today. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and it's been to the courts and... It's, uh, yeah, it just, it's deep, there's deep issues there. But yeah. some aid, some of these sheltered workshops um, employ artists, disabled artists, and they pay them this like minimal tiny wage of a couple of dollars an hour. They make artworks and then they sell the artworks, but the artists <laughs> don't get any money from the artworks um, because they're getting their wage, um, yeah. which is not enough, which is very little. And, and all plays into you know our bigger overarching area of uh, voice at the table and having a say in the bigger things that are yeah. happening and that is you know it is literally examples of the opposite of our saying of nothing about us without us it's yeah you know it, it's uh, organizations faceless organizations doing things so using the word for, but not really for, <laughs> um, yeah. disabled people. And they, they very much, I'm, I'm, and I, I know that sounded very ableist when I just said then, and it was meant to. Okay. And, yeah. Yes. No, I got that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, um, can I tell you, can I go back to the, um, the mural, the laneways yeah. mural? Yep. Yep. I will be annoyed if yeah, I... Yeah, we've got a little... A perfect um, so, example of how we go on tangents. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, um, so it's very exciting to be part of this, and very daunting as well. Um, and I wish I was doing it under better circumstances. Um, but we've got to do what we can do. But I'm, um, I, um, I think this is a nice safe space here, and I'm pro. Uh, so, um, I'm going to let you in on the secret of where it's going to be. Um, it's going to be in Punch Lane, which is up the north, the top end of, um what we call the top end of the city it's really out really the east corner but up near parliament anyway off lonsdale street and um yeah and i'm going to be um it's sort of i am hoping but i'm not 100 percent sure yet that it will contain the artwork that we have previously used which is of um disabled people's bodies including yours warren that spelt out the the letters of disability pride so that may or may not be there, but um, this mural is being fueled 
by my commitment to disability pride and particularly um, because because as I said earlier you know I found it really difficult to be proud and to wow. to sort of speak back and challenge my internalized ableism and my shame I've spent a lot of time with the medical systems getting new diagnoses in the past 18 months so I've that medical system I find deeply shaming and it really throws me because they're so ableist. Um, yeah. But anyway, so I felt like I really needed to uh, challenge that. So it was actually returning to that poem, Laura, Laura Hershey, and going, um, I really want to look at proud disabled women who have who have made me who I am today. People, uh, and also knowing that our history is hidden from us, that it isn't documented and that, the um, women in particular, disabled women, um, are hidden. I mean, before we talked about Kurt Fenley and Dylan Orcott, who are awesome people, but they are white mm. and male. Um, yep. And there are all these other amazing people, but they don't get the same airtime on the ABC or on any other mainstream media. You can find out more voice at the table.com.au. So, yeah, so I've been looking at um, disabled women, uh, some of who I know and some of who I don't know, some of who I discovered along the way. And I'm um, hoping that I'm making portraits of them all, which is a really interesting thing because it's not something I've done before, like do portraits of faces. In fact, Uh. it's a new thing and it's a little interesting. Um, So so, uh, when you say doing portraits, are you still working in the like the uh, printmaking style? Yeah. Or? I'm doing liner cuts of um, liner cut portraits, and they you know as I as I I mean that's a, that's the joy of making art is as you learn things yeah. change and you learn along the way and that's right it's not visual is it I was going to say I can show you the last the, the latest <laughs> um, but it's not going to work is it we're on video no. we're on audio yeah so some you know there's people um like stella young who you know has who is well known to australians um she really cracked like kurt and dylan have done she really cracked the sort of mainstream market and got her face everywhere and that's why i loved her so much uh because she was everywhere and that so much to me as you know just personally to me knowing you know, this woman who I didn't know very well at all, but she had my back. She was there saying, I'm a proud disabled woman. And I was like, yeah, she's speaking for me and I'm going to yeah. use her strength. So yeah, one, of, um, one of one of her greatest qualities, I think, was pushing back against that uh, pity medical model. We're doing this for you thinking. And she's like, no, you're not doing it for me. You're doing it for you. And you know, yeah, I, I yeah. do things for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's reminding me of a, a line in the poem that um, this is the last paragraph of the poem that really strikes, speaks to me. It's remember, you weren't the one who made you ashamed. And so, so many people with disability, I think, and I know I carry around the shame of like, oh, do, shall I identify, you know, because I'm going to experience being looked at differently and then I'll be embarrassed and there's shame there but we aren't the ones that have made ourselves ashamed like we experience the shame but the shame comes from society society is ashamed and afraid of disability and so we end up experiencing that 
Yeah, I was, I was just, I was thinking along the lines of where I live now, a uh, very multicultural area, and uh, the uh, that, that shaming of disabled people is very prevalent, and it's, you know, the, the family member doesn't even recognise that they have that a brother or sister with a disability. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's just a failure, you know, that's why we need to have more conversations because it's a failure to recognise that disability is part of life. Like it's yeah. part of all of our lives. Whether you're non-disabled at the moment, you know, 90% of people are going to experience disability in their lifetime or care for somebody with a disability. That is a yeah. lot of us. And it's not something that happens to somebody else and it's over there. It actually happens to all of us all the time. I mean, yeah. you're wearing glasses. Whilst we don't really, we don't call that a disability anymore. Um, mm. It's, um, you know, we've, there, there yeah. are ways around I, I had that argument with um, NDIS just the other day during my planning meeting. Um, uh. Because I actually wear glasses because of my brain injury. Exactly. My eyes themselves are fine. So there's yeah. no uh, like normal sort of aging or anything like that. The eyes are actually really good. It's the processing unit in the back and the glasses yeah. I get are lopsided. So one, one side stronger than the other um, to alter that. So I can see straight. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't always work. And I said, but if I don't get the glasses paid for, I can't, you know, it's like saying to someone, Oh, yeah, we recognise that your disability is there, but the wheelchair is not going to get funded because, well, you can get that funded elsewhere. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I had that that argument about, uh, well, show me. show me. Show me where I can get my glasses paid for by someone else and I'll go to them. Yeah. I know. think um, that's a whole another version of ableism that the NDIS enacts upon us um, and that idea that some disability is medical and some 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 is disability and some is medical like I really yeah. don't understand the difference uh, which makes it really hard to navigate the NDIS if you just can't understand a basic thing like oh this isn't a disability this is a medical thing like what yeah. um, it's ridiculous um, yeah. and uh, on a side note um, I, uh, I, did, I, did, I did have luck with getting glasses, by the way. It's one of the few things I have managed to do on the NDIS. Um, yeah. I'm not wearing them, and I should be. Um, I do have faith that you can um, yeah. do. Well, I got the one, one planner, like the previous planner last year. Yes, no worries. It's in, it's in, your, in your file that you, know, you have low vision issues due to your brain injury, and it says it right there in the file. So that makes complete sense. And then one year later, they're saying, oh, no, <laughs> we don't find glasses. Once again, it's that ableism. And the, I think there's also that whole inherent flaw within the NDIS. And it's that letter I, insurance. Yeah. Seeing it as an insurance scheme and they're only paying insurance out on claims that can be proven, <laughs> you know which is yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I can't really um, go f do this conversation. Um, no. no, no, I didn't mention either. Just... I mean, only yeah. that um, 
but just person and this is I mean this is good to let people know because I think I'm not the only one but um I have terrible PTSD about BNDIS and it's built upon um trauma and abuse from other insurance agencies before I got to the NDIS and yeah. it mostly makes it impossible for me to use it and um and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one not um, at all uh, and I think it is a big issue. Out there. yeah and I think it is particularly big for um well actually it's probably big for all people <laughs> but I was going <laughs> to say it is an issue for people with brain injury um I think that yeah I don't know I just because yeah. I mean things have we can make lots of lots of guesses and things like that and we may be spot on with them but we may also be completely wrong you're listening to that chat i think that because brain injury is you know still often missed particularly for example women like you know they say yep. that more women with brain, get brain injuries than women, but I think it's just because women are undiagnosed and they get their brain injuries through ways that are already, you know, very um, othered, like family violence. Yes. So it's really invisible. And I think that lots of people spend a long time not knowing, um, even if you are told you're diagnosed with a brain injury, when you get sent home and you never meet anybody again and you forget, you spend a lot of time going, I'm making it up or I don't know what's wrong with me. I wish I had a name or what does this mean or when i had a brain injury um none of the symptoms of brain injury were 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 not, were acknowledged so it was all about you know working of your limbs and yes I, I, I got a lot of the same information yeah. you know, as a stroke as someone That's who's right. had strokes you know it was all about you know rehabilitating your limbs so they work and i'm going my limbs are fine what about my brain my brain's not working <laughs> you know, giving me that information yeah but a lot of the symptoms around fatigue or dizziness or nausea or um executive functioning all that stuff is very missed and not really not it might be like oh you have this but it's never seen as something that you might need support with or that it's not so you often so that's where i think that for a lot of people with brain injury um stroke there there might be an increased incidence of sort of uh potential abuse and potential ptsd in medical systems and health systems because you're struggling to have your your the, these difficult things in your life acknowledged um and if they're continually dismissed um that can that is abuse and that can really play out um in a form of trauma and i think um that's why i raised it yeah I think we've talked about enough for yes. today. Um, oh goodness, we have. We didn't get to talk about the um, the ABI Wise app. So uh, Lara had a huge, huge part to play in the birth of the ABI Wise app. Uh, it's the first and probably only app out there uh, worldwide for people with a, a brain injury. Uh, it's very, Maybe. very useful. And yeah. it's made by people with a brain injury. And it's not even just for, it's by, which is, you know, um, that for and by, I, I love those two words together. And, yes. um, but it is very, very useful. Uh, I, I, I have it set, so it, it tells me every week uh, a new tip. So I've 
I've been, uh, I try and follow those, but don't always get them right. <laughs> but, that's why and I don't right. remember them either. That's, the, that's why I have it set so it tells me. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Hey, um, we could, um, um, speaking of that, speaking of tips, um, I invite you to actually submit some of your own tips because I know that you have some brilliant tips that I've got from you um, that, um, It'd be great to if you wanted to share them with the app and then um, other people could learn. If I could remember them, yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll just let that bubble away. And, yeah. and I also... And, and we'll, we'll throw it open a bit wider um, to anyone yeah. else with the brain injury to submit That's their it. tips. And exactly. we can uh, put forward them on to the ABI Wise people at Brain Injury Matters. Well, um, actually... If you have a tip, you can actually submit it on the app itself. Yep. So there is a button where you can, um, uh, yeah, of course people are welcome to send them to um, the, the Voice of the Table or the podcast, but they can also yep. send them to maybe to Brain Injury Matters or do it on the app itself. Yeah. Yep. It's probably easiest to do it on the app itself. It's, it's just there. You don't have to think about who to send it to. You just do it. Yeah, yeah. I think we've covered everything. As usual, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to sit here and chat with you and hear your wisdom and your passion for art and disability pride and for the ongoing internal ableism fight that we all undertake. Um, thank you so much, Larissa. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much, Warren. Um, yeah, a great, um, a great chat, and always so lovely to talk to you. Nothing about us without us. That chat. Welcome to Justin's Joke. <laughs> what did the green grape say to the purple grape? Breathe, you fool! Breathe. <laughs> Thanks to all the VatChat team who contributed today. Our presenter and producer, Warren Loram. Our audio editor and composer, Dan Sullivan. Thanks to Larissa McFarlane for sharing her story. And of course, Justin O'Brien for Justin's Jokes. VatChat podcast is part of the Voice at the Table training. Voiceatthetable.com.au